Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so if you don't know, I'm Pastor Dan. Welcome. Uh, glad you are here today. Uh, we're going to continue our series this week um, on... Uh, uh, happiest people, looking at the Beatitudes. Um, this past week, I did a, a wedding um, for uh, my buddy. <laughs> yeah, there he is. So, um, that's Kevin there. So, my buddy in the middle, Danny. Danny was my roommate in college, uh, like every year. Like, we were, I knew Danny before college. We went to college and said, hey, let's be roommates together. So, we did. Um, he's... He's nuts. He's a rock and roll star. He was in bands and things like that, and he was a lot of fun. We're still very close, and uh, it was great to spend a couple of days reconnecting with some old friends. These are all guys we went to college with. Pastor Kevin and I went to college together. These are all guys who lived on our floor. We've stayed tight. I mean, there's about ten more of us that just all get together. Um, we had a, it was just it was a good time. Um, it was really crazy to say you may kiss your bride. To like your college roommate. Like there's just certain moments as a pastor where it's like surreal. You're like, am I really looking at this guy who I saw him in the morning and we fought over the bathroom and things like that. And now I'm telling him like you can kiss your bride. It was just really, it was a surreal moment. Um, we used to prank each other often. Um, lots of pranks. Uh, he's also from Jersey. Um, but it was, uh, we would do things like he would leave for the weekend. So I would, I remember one time I got a, don't let, don't do this kids. Okay, but uh, I got like a thing of lip gloss, like bright red, and it was like open dorm hours. So there were girls walking through like that weekend, and so I said, hey, everybody, you want to leave Danny a message? Just would you put some lip gloss on and kiss his walls for him, would you? Um, I think there was 450 lips all over his walls when he got back. It was awesome. There was like one on his door. He's like, oh, that's real funny. Somebody put lips on my door. He opened his door. He was like, I was like, oh, it was awesome. It was great. He, uh, um. I turned his room upside down one time. That was fun. He came back and literally his bed, desk, dresser, lamps, posters in the wall, carpet, like everything just upside down. Um, he did things to me. Uh, they moved my room out into the lobby. Sign on the door, Dan Greco moved. Um, like it was, it was, we went back and forth. Kev can tell you. They can vouch. We did, we did a lot of, a lot of pranks, uh, together. Um, and, uh, we lived together every year. We stayed in touch and, um, it's one thing to see somebody from, you know, a distance or people in college you went to college with, but something else to actually live with somebody. You know this. Like, you, you get to know somebody, like, really well. Like, like, too well sometimes, right? Like, I know more about him than I, than I should. Um, but I knew his work ethic. I knew how hard he worked. I knew how he treated people. I knew how he talked about people. I knew how he talked to his mom, right? I knew when he went to bed, when he got up. Like, I knew everything about him. All his habits, all his idiosyncrasies. I knew everything about this guy. And um, I can tell you that the guy in the middle, my buddy Danny there, he's the real deal. He is one of the best guys. Just he's 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 the real thing. And I communicated this to Michelle, um, to his bride. And that's her. That's them. This was uh, the, the wedding was it was beautiful. It was on Lake Mohawk it's in uh, Sparta, New Jersey. Anybody know where that is? It's gorgeous up there. It looks like Switzerland. It's crazy. Anybody ever been there? Anybody? A few of you. It's just it just doesn't seem like you're in Jersey. It's crazy. Um, so this picture looks beautiful. Um, it was about 38 degrees. They, they the service was outside at five o'clock at night. Um, 
I've never done a service so quickly. She was, she had, in her bouquet, she had hand warmers. I was like, you guys planned this. You knew it was going to be end of October on a lake outside of New Jersey. Like, you should have planned that a little better. But it was fine. It was a great time. And, uh, but I communicated to her. I said, uh, you know, I just want to let you know from somebody who knows, from somebody who knows this guy well, I wanted Michelle to know that, listen, you're getting a, <laughs> you're getting a great guy. Right? Like, this is from, I, mean, I lived with him. Right. I, I saw everything. You know, we've stayed in touch. Like, I know this guy. And I said, he's he's the real deal. He's kind. He's gentle. He's faithful. He's a good man. And as I was preparing for today and the Beatitudes, it struck me that that's a question that's present every time we meet anybody. Anytime you meet anybody, here's the question that you ask in your head. Are you really who you say you are? Right? Isn't that the question? When you meet somebody. Right. You, it's the first thing that you're going to. You know, I know what you're projecting. I know what you're telling me about yourself. Right. But anybody, if you're single and you've ever been on a date. Right. The first thing you think is. Are they really who they are saying they are. You know, if you can remember back to that, you know, that's what you're trying to figure out about somebody. Are they really who they, what they say? You know, when you interview somebody at work, right, the boss is interviewing somebody. What are you trying to understand? You're trying to understand, is this person what their resume says about them? Or do they just really, you know, are they, are they painting a good picture, but underneath, right? We've got this all the time, you know, online dating and profiles, right? Six foot five, dark, tall, dark, and handsome, right? You, you, you meet him and he looks like me, right? Like, I'm sorry, I should have said five foot six. You know, I is a typo, typo, you know, like, are you really who you say you are? Are they being honest? Are they being genuine? The reason we have to ask this question is because so many people are not. Do you know anybody who is not who they say they are? Right, you, know, you know what they say and you know who they really are and you go, mm, mm, mm. Right, that's not them. Right? You know what I'm talking about? They're just certain people. They're not the real thing. We live in the photoshopped world. Any magazine cover, is that really them? I do Photoshop. Let me tell you, you can do anything. You can do anything with Photoshop, all right? Every video, every movie that you see, is that real? No, it's called video effects. It's unbelievable. I got a friend who does this stuff, and he shows you the, the split screen of it unedited and edited. I'm like, dude, he's driving through, like, Camden, and with the, after the video effects, it looks like he's in, like, New Zealand. Like, how did you do that? Like, colors and filters, and it's unreal. But we live in a world where what you see is not. What's the truth? So the question we're always asking, especially when we meet people, is are you really who you say you are? And the real question for us today and for you is this. Are you the real deal? Right? Are, are you who you say you are? Oh, boy. All right. Got quiet. See, and here's the thing. Nobody else knows. I mean, people may know who know you best, but... What would those closest to you say? You know, my buddy, he was the real deal. But what would those closest to you say about you? Would they say you're the real deal? And this is the question, honestly, this is the question that was asked most of Jesus. Is he who he says he is? Is he the real deal? Right? Because this guy's making some pretty extraordinary claims about who he is. Like, son of God. <laughs> Imagine if somebody you knew 
It was like, yo, I'm the son of God. You know, you get on the phone, you know. Um, I, I need I need some uh, I need some help. Can you send the guys with the jackets? Right. Like this guy thinks he's the son of God. Um, like you, you'd be you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it. Right. Are you really who you say you are? We know that authenticity matters in people and we like when people are real. Let me tell you, when people are real, everybody is drawn to that person. When somebody is perceived as being authentic or genuine, everybody likes it. anybody know who Mike Rowe is. Dirty jobs. Anybody ever seen anything like that? Like we say, like that guy tells it like it is, man. We just, we're drawn to people who are just, you know, they're, they're unfiltered. They're raw. Sometimes we're terrified by people who are unfiltered and raw. You know, you're like, please, I wish you wouldn't say everything the way you say it. But the thing is, here's the question. If nobody else will ever know if I'm really the person I say I am, like if, like, do you know? If I really believe what I preach every week, like, do you really know that? No, you, you can't know that, right? If you are really the person you present yourself as, does anybody actually know that? And here's the thing, if nobody will ever know, does it really make a difference? Does it really matter? Like, right, if we're playing the game, does it, does it matter? Because who's, who's going to know? And today, Jesus answers that question for us. We've been looking at the Beatitudes, eight statements by Jesus about who the happiest people are. It's totally not who we'd expect, right? We're in the middle of this series. The first thing, this is who he said so far, the happiest people in the world, right? To think of the happiest people, who do you think of? Who comes to mind? Here's what he says. It's the poor in spirit, those who have nothing, those who, I'm sorry, those who are nothing, right? Who don't think of themselves as they, they, they're nothing, but they're happy because they know they're going to have everything. And he says, too, it's those who are grieving, who are not okay, and they're happy because they know they will be, because the comforter is going to come. So the happiest people are not okay, but they know that they will be. Third, the happiest people are those who are meek, who have their power under control, who keep calm and tarry on because God is still on the throne, right? And then he says, it's those who are starving for everything wrong to be made right, those who hunger and thirst for justice. Like, our world is starving for justice. Why are they happy? Because they're starving for everything to be made right, and it will be. Because they know that their God will make all wrongs right. And then last week he said it's those who pay what they don't owe, who show mercy, who pay what they don't owe. Why would I pay what you owe me? They pay what they don't owe because Jesus has paid everything they do owe. Right? So that's what he said so far. It's just been this total uh, paradigm shift. And today in verse 8, we read this. It'll be on the screen. He says this, God blesses those, and that means the, the happy people, really the, the literal, literal, easy for you to say. The literal translation says happy people. The happy people are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. As we're going to talk about today, the happy people are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Three key words here, heart, pure, and see. We're going to look at those three words here, because those are the three operative words that change this here. Again, Jesus is talking to Jewish people. Think of their context. Right? Their leaders are called Pharisees, and their leaders were influential, and they entirely focused on the outside, the external person, to the neglect of the internal person. They were all about the rules, about doing things right. Okay, all about the show. The Mishnah, which is the oral law of Judaism. Anybody knows this? I'm not sure. But the Mishnah includes an entire division on the subject of purity, of this external purity, titled Tohoroth, 
which means cleanness, and it continues for about 200 pages and has 11 tractates or like books. These are writings on purification of vessels, right, of tents, of pools, immersion pools, of your hands, of all of, I mean, all about how to stay completely ceremonially clean. This is beyond Purell, right? This isn't like, you know, like just wash your hands when you, you leave the bathroom or things like that. This is, I mean, this is every single thing that could defile you, right? I mean, hyper, hyper religious. The amount of energy invested in purity at that time in that culture was enormous. Everything was about ceremonial purity and get away from me, you are unclean. Don't defile me. It was Purity was everything being right in front of in God's eyes and not a single law related to the inner purity of the heart. And Jesus is, is saying here, listen, to this crowd of people who have grown up in a culture where cleanliness is ev- you know, next to godliness, right? It's everything. And he says, listen, you got this backwards, totally backwards. And Jesus, he says this, the heart is ground zero for everything. Heart is ground zero. In Proverbs 4, one of the wisest people to ever live was King Solomon. And he said this, guard your heart. For from it flow the springs of life. Right? This is like a life verse for me. My dad put it in every card he ever sent me, every email. It's always the bottom. Guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. Jesus himself said this, the words you speak come from your heart. Right? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. The great, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. Heart. This is nothing we didn't, we don't know, right? We accept this as fact all the time, right? We talk about heart and how it influences our life all the time, right? Job, the job didn't work out for her. Why? Well, her heart wasn't in it. We say stuff like this, right? Or the team just needs to play with a little more heart, right? That's, that's, that's the difference between victory and, and defeat is they just need a little more heart, right? Or somebody sings so well. Why do they sing so well? Because they sing from their heart, right? We understand that the heart is the seat and the source of our life. Your heart is the source of everything. Who you are as a person is defined by what is in your heart. We get this. It's very simple. Who you are as a parent is shaped by your heart for your children. Who you are as a spouse is shaped by your heart for them. Who you are as a friend, who you are as a student, as an employee, as a business owner, it all starts in your heart. Your relationship with God is founded on your heart. It's the root of everything. Our church is life tree. Our mission is helping people grow from root to fruit. It all starts in your heart. It starts here. It's ground zero for everything. But for Jesus, purity of heart was about motives. Happy are the pure in hearts. It's about motives, about why you do what you do. Solomon later said this, people may be pure in their own eyes, but God examines their motives. God knows why you're really doing what you're doing. Motives. Motives. We're going to talk about motives. Bob, Bob uh, Kuchenberg. Anybody know who he is? Former Miami Dolphin. Uh, on the undefeated team. Okay. He was a lineman. And he once explained what motivated him to go to college. It's a great story. He said this. He said, my father and uncle, no joke, they were human cannonballs in the carnival. He says, my father told me, go to college or be a cannonball. He says, then one day my uncle came out of the cannon, missed the net, and hit the Ferris wheel. I decided to go to college. 
Motivation. Motivation. Why do you do what you do? If I could ask two questions to get to know you in life. These are the two questions that would help me know you best. Ready? It's this. What are you doing with your life? Why? Two questions. What are you doing with your life? Why? Motivation. Why are you who you are? What I believe Jesus is saying is this. Why you do something matters more than what you do. You may go, I'm not sure I buy that, but think about it. If the why is right, if your motivation is right, if you really want to do something for the right reason, then most likely the what will follow. What you do will be motivated because your heart is in the right place, right? But if the why is wrong, it doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter how good you do it. God himself emphasized this through the prophet Isaiah. And the Lord says, these people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts, oh, they are far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Worship without the right heart, guess what it is? It's nothing. Purity without the right heart. Right, right, right. If you're trying to, trying to do all the religious things, you know what it is? If you come to service... On Sunday mornings for the wrong reason, guess what it is? It's nothing. If you read your Bible with the wrong motive, guess what it is? Nothing. You can be as religious as you want, but if it's for the wrong reason, it's nothing. You get no points. That's what God is saying. And purity, just so we're clear, it's not about perfection. It's about the heart, about the reason why. In Matthew, Jesus goes next level here. I mean, this is, this is brutal. Like if you... He says this. He couldn't be clearer. He says, and now he's talking to these Pharisees, these people who are all about the outside. He says, listen, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Ready? Hypocrites. Oh, man, what a word. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. He says, you blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean, too. Can you imagine if, if you went to somebody's house and they only ever clean the outside of their cups? Yeah, you just groaned. How many of you just groaned and were like, like that's, oh. So that's what you're doing when you just try and act right without getting your heart right. He goes next, and then here he just takes this. He says, listen, if, and if that's not clear enough for you, you ready? You are like whitewashed, which is like painted, like white, painted white, nice and white. You're like whitewashed tombs. You are beautiful on the outside, ready, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Oh, man. Outwardly, he says, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus dropped the mic. I mean, come on. Jesus is saying you can look as religious, as holy, and as pure as you want, but if your heart is not pure, if your motivation is not right, you are dead inside. So the happiest people, they are pure in heart. They are the real deal. It starts inside with their roots. Why? Why are they happy? Why are people happy who are just real? Why would that make them happy? And here's what he says. He says, because they will see God. 
says they will actually know God. Perceive who God really is. King David was called a man after God's own heart. And he wrote these words. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Pure hearts gain access to God. Pure hearts gain access to God. Think about this. Purity is the key that unlocks God's presence in your life. So let's reverse that. What is the cost of impurity? What happens if you don't value purity in your life? What is that costing you? Happier the pure in heart because they see God. Those who are corrupt inside, guess what? They see nothing. They don't see God at all. And this is the now, not yet. Remember, we talk about this every week. It's now, but it's not yet. We get to see God now. If you are pure, you see God now, but not yet fully. You see him in part now. Then you will see him face. We, we sang the song, right, that the face of God is brighter than the sun. Can anybody ever try and look at the sun? Anybody ever stare at the sun, like, for a second, right? And you can't do it, right? And you see spots. Like, we had this, we had pictures at the wedding, and there's a flash. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, right, just seeing the flash. Our eyes are not capable of staring at the sun. If you stared at the sun for any length of time, it would do permanent damage to your eyes. You would lose your ability to see. They can't take it in. And God, brighter than the sun. We can see God a little bit now, but one day we're going to be able to look God eye to eye, face to face in all of his glory and be able to take it in. I don't know that you will find a more powerful experience in, in eternity than that. So what? I'm trying to wrap this up. So what? The happiest people are the real deal. And they get access to the realest deal. You like that? That's deep, isn't it? Oh, man, I'm telling you, that is deep. This is not about people who are perfect. It's about people who are genuine. More than anything, God wants your heart. And here's the problem for us. Our hearts are filthy. I'm guilty. Right here, just so we know. I'm not, not pointing fingers, just so we know. Dirty heart, right here. Life corrupts my heart. It, it, it corrodes my purity. I think I'm doing well. I think I got everything under control. I think I'm living the pure life. And the next thing I know, I want to punch somebody in the face for cutting me off. Right? And there goes, ah, oh, there goes, oh, there goes my purity. And I harbor some bitterness over something petty and small that somebody did to me. And it gets in there and I get envious of what somebody else has. And before I know it, my heart's a disaster. It's corrupt and it's corroded. And here's the thing about my heart. It contaminates everything else that comes out of me because it's the source. It's the main thing. It affects my relationship with my wife and my kids and my ability to pastor. Everything starts here. And when I let those other things come in, it corrupts. We all deal with this every single day. Our hearts. David said this in Psalm 51. He said, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. Because my heart is dirty. This was a prayer. David prayed this. You know why? Because he needed it. Because he screwed up all the time. This wasn't a one-time prayer and he was done. But it's more than a prayer. 
It's a promise from God. He will do it. He will come through. Hebrews tells us under the old system, under that old system, in that Jewish system, they're talking about external righteousness and external purity. Guess what? The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Think about that. God actually accepted the blood of animals to make people externally pure. He said, yeah, you can be ceremonial. Hebrews says, just think how much more the blood of Christ, who gave his life for us as a sacrifice, will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Here's the thing. When your house is dirty, you know what you need? You need a housekeeper. And when your heart is dirty, you know what you need? You need a heart keeper. You need somebody to come in and take care of your heart. To clean up your heart. And here's the best news of the day. The purity of God is greater than the impurity in you. He doesn't get dirty by stepping into my mess. He transforms my mess and makes me pure. See, the purity of God is so great that when he meets my impurity, he makes me like him, not me contaminating him. He overwhelms my mess. He will make your dirty heart spotless. He purifies what I mess up. Purity is a partnership. God will do it, but we have to want it. Real recognizes real. Anybody hear that? Real recognizes real. God will purify those that want purity. So for you today, as we close, you need to decide what kind of person you want to be. Do you want to be the kind of person that says all the right things, that does all the right things, but inside, you know you don't mean any of it? If that's you, if you're playing the game, I don't mean to be strong with my words this morning at all. But if you, if you, just, you know you're just playing the game on the outside, and on the inside you don't mean any of this, can I tell you, it's going to exhaust you. You're going to get tired of that real fast. You'll find yourself at the point where You're just done. You're done trying to fake it. Can I tell you, faith is probably the worst thing you can fake. Like, really? You're going to pretend to be religious? Like, because the only one that matters in faith sees it all anyway. Like, why in the world would we pretend to have faith? Don't play that game. Either have it Or don't. But don't pretend. But perhaps that's not you. Perhaps today you genuinely want to be the real deal. You want purity in your life. And you just, you just feel dirty all the time. And maybe you just can't seem to break free. You have no cure for the sin that continues to corrupt and pollute your heart. And you know you just, you need somebody to come in. If that's you, it's my privilege today to offer you hope. God is the realest deal and can make you completely pure. Again, purity is a partnership. It starts with a personal relationship with the one who is infinitely pure. There is nothing defiled, nothing corrupt in God at all. He is incorruptible. Today you can acknowledge that you need God simply to clean up what you've messed up. 
ask God this morning, God, would you be my heart keeper? Would you do that in my life? We understand food far better than we understand spiritual matters. We study and analyze what goes in our bodies. I think if we knew as much about our hearts and our spirits as we do about calories and fat, like we'd be all right. Psalms, David says this, how can a young person stay pure? How can a young person stay pure? It's simple. By obeying God's word. Purity starts with doing what God has said is right. You can so just do. Just take those steps. If you don't know what's right, a great solution for you is just read the book. So the, the Bible's in those seats there. If you don't have one, take it. It's our gift to you, please. I love buying more Bibles. Steal them. Give them away. I don't care. Take out. Really, take the Bibles, please. Today is a new day. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of, worthy of praise. Here's the thing. Purity, guess what? It's a partnership. Change the way you think. God will do his part on the inside, but change the way you think. Remember hearing from somebody somewhere that thoughts become things. Proverbs tells us this. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Begin a mental diet. Think about good things. Meditate on Scripture. Think of it as a spiritual cleanse. Shut off Fox News. Shut off CNN. Whatever you're watching. Turn off the Drudge Report. I don't care what you're reading. Just, just shut it down. And recalibrate your heart to the Word of God. Because guess what? It gets dirty. And you can't clean it with more of other stuff. The only thing that can clean your heart is the Word of God and His presence. You need cleaning, you go to the heart keeper. Romans tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't think about yourself as being better than you really are. He's saying this, be the real deal. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And here's the thing. If we'll be pure in heart, something magical happens. Others will see the realest deal in us. Because here's the deal. People can tell if you're who you say you are. Real recognizes real. And people who are honestly looking for something real and genuine will know if it's in you. There is no substitute for real. Can I tell you, our, our community, this town, does not need another church to go through the motions. They don't need people who are pretending. Our church can have the best music. We can have the best bagels. The smoothest program. We can have trees all over the place. But if our heart is not pure in God's eyes, you know what? We are nothing. Nothing. God sees right through every single one of us. He knows what we are. And on the day we stand in front of him, guess what? There's not going to be any fooling around. Our world is hungry for real. They need the church. When I say church, I mean big C, not our church. They need the church to be real. 
to live out what we say we believe, to be who we say we are. It's the worst thing in the world to fake because so much is at stake. This is eternity on the line for people. And when they meet people of faith and they go, you know what? I know what you say, but you don't live that out. You don't believe that. You are not real. The cost. Can you imagine what a church filled with people who are the real deal could do to a community? I think the world has yet to see a church like that. Could you imagine what a marriage would look like with two people who are real? Think about someone you love who doesn't have a personal relationship with God. No, imagine them meeting the realest deal. There's no denying what God can do. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see God. And when they see God, others see God in them. Let's just take a moment and pray. God, I thank you today. I thank you for who you are, who you were, who you are, and who you always will be. Lord, you are the realest of all deals. You are pure in everything you do. Your motives are always singular, Lord. It is love. It is love, love, love. Lord, you love us. You gave everything because you loved us. Lord, I just thank you for that today. We, rem we remind ourselves that our King, our Lord, our Savior is loving. He is pure. He is real. I thank you for that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.